Well, good morning, everybody. So excited that you're here. And we do, we're pushing financial peace. It's our hope that everybody in the church will go through it in the fall. We, we've set it up where that's like no excuses. Like there's, if you're in a small group, your small group can do it. If your small group leader's trained, if they're not trained, then you just bring your group to the church. You can pick one night, Monday night. You can pick Sunday night, 6 to 7.30, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, off from 6.30 to 8. It's about a 45-minute video, and then there's some discussion. You can sit with your small group. If you're not in a small group, uh, you can just, just come to the church. Child care is provided. It's going to change. It's going to change you. It's going to change, it's gonna change the, the, just the culture of our church. I, when we, when 78% of people live paycheck to paycheck, it's just, but it's just not about debt reduction. It's about, it's about filtering your finances through a biblical framework. It's about creating a foundation that you can build your life on financially. And we took it 10 years ago, changed our life, changed our direction. We were about, we had a car payment. We had some medical expenses. We, we were somewhere in the uh, $14,000 worth of debt. We quickly were able to pay that off using it. Then we began to understand about retirement and what that means. And and now we're in what they'd call baby step uh, five, I believe. We're paying off our house, and, and it's just good. It's it not only changed us, it's changed our, our legacy. It's changed our kids. They grew up with that model, so, so now my kids are living out the principles and, and are just doing really, really, really well. So I encourage you, uh, sign up online. Get, it, it's it's going to be a blessing. We're going to take the kids through it, the teens through it, and then the adults will go through it on those nights. Uh, that we're making available. All right, everybody, doesn't that sound good? And then also, uh, we had an adoption party last night. In this calendar year, Cloverdale has adopted 11 kids. And so we were able to celebrate with them and just had a good time. And then in two weeks, we're going to go to Royal Family Camp. We have 52 kids coming from the foster community. We're, for the week, we're going to love on, encourage, challenge, and speak God's word over them. 100 adults will be involved. 60 will be there all week. Another 40 will come sporadically to serve and to do some things. Brandy went to Home Depot yesterday to get some supplies. Brandy Capehart's big in RFK. And she began to explain to the guy that was helping her, she needed a door for a staging. And, and uh, the guy that was helping her, she began to explain what, what he was doing, what she was doing, and what, what it was for. And he, he helped her with the door, helped her get it all together, toted it up to the front, and then ended up paying for it because he wanted to be a part of RFK. So we got this guy at Home Depot that's, that's invested in RFK. And I'm not, I'm not asking you for money. I'm presenting a need. It's a $50,000 expense. We've raised $22,000. i am not asking you, but I will ask you to ask the Holy Spirit what he might have you to do. And if you can, you can be a part of that, make sure on your check or whatever, however you give that you uh, make our Royal Family Camp or RFK so we can make sure it gets to the right place. We have had an amazing day this, this day. Uh, in the first service, about eight people raised their hand for salvation. We had a great time around the altars. We prayed for people at Mosley today. About three people raised their hand for salvation. We baptized a couple in first service. Again, there was a great response. I mean, just the pe- there, there's just there's been an expectancy today like I haven't seen in a while, at least when I'm preaching. There's been a hunger, and, and I'm just by faith, I'm, it's going to be three for three today. Three for three. There, there is going to be, you're going to talk back. I don't mean in a bad way, but I, you're going to be engaged. And you're, I just sense, I just sense that God, you know, we are in a climate of, 
We are in a climate where God can really do something. We, we are in a place where God can really empower and equip and help us. And I want us to dive in. So I'm going to go through this scouting report. We're on our second week. It's a four-week series. It's taken from an athletic term where if you were going against an opponent, say you had a game on Friday night, you would scout them. You would find out what their tendencies are, what their weaknesses are, what their strengths are. Because you want to be better prepared to fight. You want to, to win. You want an edge. You want an advantage. So you figure that out. And then you would develop a game plan to go against that. And, and for these weeks, I want us to scout our enemy, our opponent, our adversary. His name is Satan, the devil, Lucifer. He's got multiple names, and we'll talk about a lot of them over the weeks. But, but he, 60% of believers don't believe there's a devil, which I don't, I don't know what Bible you're reading, but there is a devil. I don't know what world you're living in or what bubble you're, cloud you're under, but there is a devil. And here's what Peter says about him. Peter said, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, you have an adversary, you have an opponent, you have an enemy. He's the devil, and he prowls around like a roaring lion. I think it's significant he didn't prowl along like a roaring lion dog, it was a roaring lion because a lion's in the cat family and all cats have demons. So, so I, just, I just thought there is a correlation there. there. I mean, all throughout. So anyway, that looking for someone to devour. So, so we've got this enemy. We better be self-controlled and alert. But today, this is what I want to do today and today only. And even though the remainder of the weeks, they're not a devil they're not a devil-glorifying series. I'm not trying to boost the devil because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I just want you to be aware of the devil. But today I want to take time because there are, there are practice days before game day that you don't even think about the adversary. You don't even think about your opponent. You don't even think about the battle that you're All you do is you try to, what do we do? What do we do well? How, how, do, we, how do we build up our strengths? What what do we, no matter who we play, no matter what we're, no matter if we're resisting the flesh or fighting the enemy or are trying to live a victorious overcoming life or are trying to be, fulfill our purpose and reach our destiny, no, ma- no matter what, what we're up against, what do we need? What do, what do we need to be walking in? And that, that's kind of the direction I want to go today. There is a pattern in scripture that kind of, that kind of breaks this down, and I want to show it to you in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And Peter had just got up and preached a powerful message. Everybody was with him. Everybody was just pumped about it, and they were, they were cut to their heart. They were convicted of their sin, and they cried out to Peter. They said, Peter, man, we've heard this message. We now know Jesus was the Savior of the world. He was the Messiah. We, now, we, he wasn't what the Pharisees said he was. He wasn't what the Romans said he was. He was the son of the living God. What do we have to do? What do we do now? And Peter replied, repent. Repentance is a change. Just listen to me. Some of you heard it. Repentance is a change of direction. Repentance is a change of heart. Repentance is a change of life. Repentance is I'm going this way doing my own thing, but I'm convicted. I'm drawn to Jesus and I'm going to turn and I'm going to, I'm going to go this way. I don't mean I'm going to be perfect all the time. doesn't mean I'm going to get it right all the time. But, but I change. People say, when, how do I know if I got saved? When, there was a, when the light switched, when the, when the heart changed, when there was a flip of direction, where, where you were like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to walk like that. I don't want to talk like that. I don't want to act like that. 
I have a tendency to go back to that. But I want to be following God. I want to I want to surrender to his will. I want to I want to come under his lordship, under his leadership. You get that's why the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. Old things have passed away. I was going this way, but behold, all things are new. I've been given a new heart, a new desire, a new affection, a new, a new hunger, a new, a new longing, a new eternity. Everything's been made new when I repent. Repentance is all about salvation. And you can't experience salvation if you haven't repented. It's all throughout Scripture. Repent so that you can be, so you can be born, so you can be saved. Be done. Stop there. Okay, I'm convicted, my heart's cut, what I do? Repent so you can experience salvation. And then he said, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he says, repent, and then he says, be baptized. He's speaking of water baptism. And, and water bap you don't, do I have to be water baptized to go to heaven? No, you got to repent. If you had to be water baptized to go to heaven, then it would be, it would be a work salvation. And then, then I got to do something to get saved. You're saved by grace through faith, that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You're not saved by something you do. You're saved by what he has already done. You, you are water baptized for several reasons. It's, a, it's, a, it's out of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. He, they're arguing. They're, there's an argument today about, well, who do I get baptized in? There's a doctrinal uh, people. Churches are split. Denominations have split. People, other denominations won't partner with one another. Because one group says you've got to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the other group says, well, you only, you only are baptized in the name of Jesus. So you know what we do at Clover Hill? We baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in the name of Jesus, we just cover it all. You're good. You're taken care of. And here, it, here we, get all, we get all messed up about it. It's not like you get to heaven. And, and Pastor Trevor baptized some folks this morning. He's going to do it again in second service. But it's not like you get to heaven and God goes, hey, I know you didn't hear it because you were under the water. But when you were under the water, the guy baptizing didn't say the right formula. He didn't say the right thing. Therefore, you're not. You don't have entry into the presence of God. It doesn't work like that. It's not a works way. You're saved because you've repented. You want to be baptized. One, because salvation is a private, devo- a private commitment. It's a personal commitment. But it's got to go public at some point. It's, it's gotta, you've got to declare a new association. If you, here's what the Bible says. If you deny me before men on this earth, I'll deny you before the Father. But if you accept me, if you proclaim me before men, then I'll proclaim you before the Father. Water baptism is an opportunity to proclaim to your fellow believers, your church family, that you've decided to follow Jesus. Water baptism is the wedding ring of Christianity. This wedding ring doesn't make me save. It, save, it, 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 it says that I'm saved. It, it is a symbol. That I'm not saved. It's a symbol that I'm married. It's a symbol that, you know what this wedding ring is for? It's to let every woman in this place know that you can't touch this, that, that, it, <laughs> that it is taken. And some of you go, well, why would I want to touch that? Exactly. Because I'm taken, and it ain't much, but Angie likes it, and I'm married to her. And that, and that, that it's, the, it's, the, 
That's what I'm doing in baptism. I'm saying, God, I'm yours. You're mine. I want everybody to know it. I want devil on full alert that I've decided to follow Jesus. It's also a way by faith to bury your old nature. See, when you get born again, your spirit comes alive, but your flesh, it doesn't get fully redeemed, and it doesn't want to let go. And and in the Old Testament, you had to be circumcised. Well, there's a new circumcision. I thank God we're not in the Old Testament. Even thinking about that makes me makes me hurt, makes me want to cry. But some of you don't even know what it is. Go look up circumcision later. But, but now in the New Testament, you, it's, a, it's a baptism of circumcision, Rome, Paul told the church at Rome. When you go under the water by faith, you're burying that old nature. You're, and when you, it's, a, it's, a, it's a funeral service. I'm dying to self, I'm dying to my flesh, and I'm resurrecting in newness of life so that I can fulfill the purpose for which God called me. Peter, Peter said, okay, you want to know what you do now? I'm spitting all over the place. I drank too much water. You want to know what I, I want you to do now? I want you to, oh, you need to repent. There needs to be a change of direction. There needs to be a change of attitude, change of heart. You need to go start towards God. You need to be water baptized out of obedience. Some of you are not getting water baptized because you're fearful. Is it going to make you go to heaven? No, but why wouldn't you want to obey the, the why wouldn't you want to go public with your with your, with your testimony? Why, why wouldn't you want to declare to your friends and family that you've decided to follow Jesus? Why wouldn't you want a way by faith to bury that old nature? And I just want to encourage you today, don't let fear, don't let tea, don't, well, I got saved one, I got baptized one time, but I think I love, do I got to get baptized again? Baptism is post, or post-salvation. If you got baptized after you were saved, then praise God. If you've been immersed, praise God. It's an important, it's important piece of your of your journey in Christ it's important but it doesn't even stop there I don't want you just saved I don't want you just repent Peter said I don't want you just get water baptized I want you need to receive you need to receive the Holy Spirit there's more for you there's more that God wants to do in your life I don't want you to slide into heaven. I just don't want you to get out of hell card. I want you to, I want you to be immersed in, in my spirit. I want you to be baptized. I want you to be empowered. I want you to be equipped. I want you to be overflowing with, with the spirit of, and the presence of God in and around your life. So, 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 so what do we do? Here, here's what Paul told the church at Ephesians. He said, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery or, or which leads to to senseless living and unfulfilled living and just makes a mess of your life. Don't, don't do that. But instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm no theologian. You guys know that. I'm no Greek scholar. I can't even say little words right, much less Greek words right. But this word filled, it mean, it's an imperative, which means it's a command. So what Paul is saying, if you look deeper into the meaning of it, he's not saying, hey, if you get around to it, maybe you want to. Maybe at some time in your life you'll desire to, and you might want to get filled with No, he's not saying that. He's saying, be, hey, you're saved, be, you've repented, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's in the present tense. It doesn't, so what that means is, it's not a one-time infilling. The word means be being filled. That we're constantly asking the Spirit of God to fill us afresh and anew. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to just a mess of your life, but be filled because the antithesis is that, that's a good word right there. That just came out of my mind. I'm not sure if I said that right, but it sounded awful smart. Dr. Grant is in the house this morning. <laughs> Instead, be filled 
with the Holy Spirit. So, so let's see. Here, let me just, I don't, I'm not going to preach too long today. I, don't, I hope not. I don't want to. But, I mean, I do want to because I love to preach. But I know you can only take so much. There's only, there's only a few things that are in all four Gospels. There's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. All three of those are in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And there's also this idea of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let me read them to you. In Matthew's Gospel, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me who comes one who is more powerful than I. John is speaking of Jesus, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Here's what Mark says. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke, same account. John answered them all. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of his sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Here's John 1.33. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, John speaking, got a revelation from God. He told me, the man whom you see the Spirit come down on and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Well, who did the Spirit come down on? He came down on Jesus at his baptism. He's the one that's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Spirit. So, so I want to show you in Scripture, we're going to be working through the book of Acts. I'm going to show you a lot of Scripture of where this, where this happened. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, on one occasion, while they were eating with him, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. We, we often think that the last words of Jesus were go. Go into all the world. The Great Commission in Matthew. Go into all the world and be a disciple. That's not the last words of Jesus. The last words of Jesus were not go, they were to wait. They were to wait in Jerusalem until the gift of my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. They got water baptized because they had repented and got saved. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So there's there's a salvation that, that, that is connected to repentance. There's water baptism that's connected to obedience. And there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit that's meant for empowerment and service and, 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 and to consume you and, and to overtake you and to work in your life. And so, so this was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. So this is the promise, Acts chapter 1. There were over five, they, they believed there were over 500 people that Jesus made this promise to, but only 120 honored him and went to the upper room. So 360 missed out on what God wanted to do in their life. Maybe they thought salvation was enough. Maybe they thought baptism was enough. Maybe they just didn't want to take the time. Maybe they just didn't want, I don't know, but 360 people missed out on what it could have, what could have been. 120 responded to the Lord and they went to the upper room. And when the day at Pentecost had come, Pentecost just means 50, 50 days after the resurrection, they were all together. Who was together? The 120 disciples or followers of Jesus. They were in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated on all of them and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I thought, I thought you got filled with the Holy Spirit at salvation. And that's true. 
you, uh, here to differentiate between the two, you, it's the infilling spirit. Same, same spirit, different function. If you look at John chapter 20, in John chapter 20, the disciples get born again in a New Testament sense. Up until John chapter 20, they were following Jesus like Abraham followed God. The, the penalty for their sin had not been paid. But by John chapter 20, Jesus had died on a cross for their sin. He had made sufficient payment for their sin. And because of his resurrection, he now had power to forgive them of their sin. And in his resurrected body, he walked into a room where they were hiding. And he had a little dialogue with them. Look at the scars on my hands. Look at the nail uh, prints. Look at the nails that went in my feet. And then the Bible says he breathed on them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. It was the infilling spirit for salvation. That's when the disciples got born again according to the New Testament sense. Are you following me? Then he says, that's not enough. I, it's, let me explain it like this. If you're in fit, you think of a glass of water. If that, if that glass has water in it, it's filled. There, it's infilled with water. Take that same glass and put it in a swimming pool and now it is immersed in water. What Jesus is saying, hey, I just don't want you to be filled like that glass. I want you to be like that swimming pool. I want you to be immersed. Yes, when you say yes, you say yes to Jesus, I will infill you. You are a temple of the Holy Ghost. But there's, so, there's another something that I want to do in your life. I want to empower you. I want to baptize you. I want to fill. I want to immerse you with my spirit. Man, that's good preaching. Here here we go, here we go, Acts chapter 8, five years later. So the book of Acts is a testimony of the early church. It's really, some people call it the Acts of the Apostles. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, just a, what am I trying to say? It just shows and tells what they've done, but it stretches out over several decades. Five years later, Philip is in Samaria. Philip has gone and there's just a revival that's broke out. People are getting saved, eyes are being opened, lives are being changed, bodies are being healed, and this is what happens. When they believed, when they repented, when they turned to Jesus, when they changed direction, as Philip proclaimed to them the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. They, they, they went public. By faith, they buried their own nature. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the Samarians had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. Peter, you're, never, you're not going to believe it. See, these Samaritans have given their life to Christ. They've even been water baptized. They've declared a new faith. They're so excited about the things of God. You've got to come. You've got to come. Come, Peter. Come, John. They get to Samaria as fast as they can. What are they going to tell them? How to... How to how, not that it's not important. How to six keys to, uh, to financial freedom, ten keys to overcome. I don't know. What, what, what are they going to tell them? You know, Peter and John, as soon as they get there, this is what they did. When they arrived, what did they do? They didn't tell them anything. They prayed for the new believers that were there, there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Listen, they believed. They were baptized. It's not enough. God wants more. God has more. There's another, there's another, there's another grace that he wants to do in your life. And it's called the baptism 
of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not come on any of them yet. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. They were already indwelt with the Holy Spirit at salvation. Now they experienced the empowering Holy Spirit. They, they were already had their glass full. Now they're submerged in the Holy Spirit. 25 years later. Well, why is that important? Because Peter prophesied that the promise is for you, your children, and all who are far off. Some people have said, well, the Holy Spirit is just for the book of Acts, that, that we don't need that anymore. And I don't know about you, but, but I just don't want to make it to heaven. I, I want to take some people with me to heaven. I, I just don't want to have to just keep resisting and running from the enemy. I want to bow up to him in the name of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, I, you know, it's like those guys, and they, they, they came against those sons of Sceva, you remember? And they were trying to fight the enemy in their own power. And they said, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you? And they jumped on them and beat the cheese out of them. I don't want to be like those guys. I want to be like Paul and Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit that's able to accomplish and do and fulfill everything that's God called me to do. The promise, in fact, Jesus said, as the return of Christ gets closer, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all men and all women and all children. And young men will dream dreams and old men will have visions. I'm going to do something that you never have ever seen before by my grace and my goodness. 25 years later, 25 years later, we are in, now we're in Ephesus. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we, we don't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, then what, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, they were, they were saved, baptized. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. There were about 12 men in awe. At, at repentance, you're saved. At, at, at baptism, you're obeying. But then when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're empowered to be what, what was Jesus? Okay, let me show you the life of Jesus. Was Jesus born again? Was he saved? No, he didn't have to be. He was the perfect son of God. He never committed a sin. We have to be born again because we were born with a sin nature. So, so to become children of God, we've got to be born again. We've, we've got to enter into a relationship with Jesus. Was Jesus water baptized? Matthew chapter 3, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Why, why do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. If Jesus was water baptized, why wouldn't we want to be water baptized? If Jesus thought it was important and thought it was necessary to fulfill all righteousness, why, why wouldn't we want to take that next step and be water baptized? What well, was Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit? The very next verse says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open. And he saw the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descending on him like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, 
I am well pleased. If Jesus needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit needed to come and descend on him, why would we not want that? Why would we not desire that? Why would we not seek that? Why, why would we not express that desire to God? We, we just don't want to be saved. I mean, I don't. I just don't want to be saved on my way to heaven. I want to be obedient to the, to the will of God, and I want to be empowered by his Spirit again to do what he's called me to do. Here, here let, me, let me show it to you this way. And if the uh, praise team will get ready to come back. Don't put up your stuff just yet. I, mean, I got like five more minutes, I promise, and we'll, and we'll, we'll pray. And, and, and we're going to ask the Lord to fill us and help us today. And it's a vision that Ezekiel gets. And I hope this makes sense to you. And, and a, a vision is just a picture. It's a picture of our spiritual journey and really what God wants for us. And, and he said, as a man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. A cubits is it's about 18 inches. It's Old Testament measurement about a forearm. And then he led me through the water. So there's a river there, and, he, and he's trying to cross it and get into it. Again, it's a picture of our spiritual journey. And the water was ankle deep. And, and I want you to know, I think some of you are ankle deep today. You're saved. It's like, you know what ankle deep is? Ankle deep is like, I don't want to go to hell. So I'll say yes to Jesus. And and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ankle deep. I'm in, but I'm just ankle deep. And I don't know if that's enough. I mean, it's enough to get you to heaven. But is it enough to really walk with the Lord? Is it enough to experience him in a way that he desires you experience? Is ankle deep, is that enough? So he went, he measured off another thousand cubits. And he led me through the water. The water was knee deep. So he, a picture of his spiritual journey, he's just stepping into more of God that ha, has for him. And, and some of you are, you're, you're knee deep. You're, you know, you've been coming for a while and you've watched people raise your hands. And every now and then you'll just get knee deep and you'll, you know, you'll put them up real quick. Whatever, you'll just put them up real quick and then put them, you just kind of knee deep. You're in, but, you know, you don't want to get too deep because you still, you know, you don't want to get too deep. But he said that spiritual journey, then he said he, he measured another thousand cubits and it, the water came up to my waist. He's, he's, he's moving forward in the things. And this is what I want you to know. I think God today wants to move, whether you're ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, God wants to push you. God, God wants to lead you. Here's the thing with ankle deep, knee deep, and waist deep. You're still in control. Your feet are still on the bottom of the river. God says, look, that's not what I'm interested in. I want to take you. I want you to go where the river takes you. I want you, I want you to be, I don't want you to be ankle deep. I don't want you to be knee deep. I don't want you to be waist deep. In fact, he led him another thousand years, and the river was so high that he could not cross it because the water had risen, and it was too deep to, to swim in, a river that no one could cross. You know where Jesus wants you? He wants not you to be in control, but for him to be in control. He wants to get, you know what the prophecy later says? That in the middle of the river, it was teeming with life. God wants you so far in that it's a day-by-day journey, that it's a faith walk, that it's a, that it's a stirring every... He wants rivers of living water to flow from your innermost being. And that doesn't happen when you're ankle deep or knee deep or waist deep. It only happens when you lift your feet and you get into the water of all God has for you. Oh, here's my prayer for you. Here's my prayer for you. I hope you hear the passion. I hope you hear my voice is cracking. I hope that's not puberty, it's passion. I'm, I'm so, man, I so want this for you. I so want it for me. Here it is. Here's the prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Corinth. I pray 
that you know the amazing grace of the Master, who's Jesus. Man, I hope you experience the grace that is greater than all your sin. I hope you know the grace that regardless of what you've done or where you've been or what you're up against, that His grace is made perfect in your weakness, that His grace is sufficient for everything that you're going through. May you experience the marvelous grace of Jesus. May you get a revelation of the extravagant love of God that there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. God's love for you is not based on your past or your performance or your potential. His love is based on His nature. God is love. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. May it not just be an idea in your mind, but may it saturate your heart. May you get an understanding of the love of God. May that song that we sing not just be a song, but be a reality that there's no shadow he won't light up, no mountain he won't climb up, no wall he won't kick down, no no lie he won't tear down to capture you and get you. May you know the mercy. May you know, may, may you know the amazing grace of Jesus. May you know the extravagant love of God. I don't want it to stop there because there's more. May you walk in the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. May, may you not just be indwelt with God's Spirit, but may you be immersed with God's Spirit. I pray that the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit will be with y'all all. Amen, everybody. Stand to your feet with me, will you? With your heads bowed and your eyes shut, how many would say I've not experienced God's grace today? Pastor, I don't think there's been a change in my direction. I don't think there's been a change in my heart. I don't think there's been a change in my life. I thought I believed, but I'm not sure if I do. And, and I, 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 want, I, I need God's grace today. You know, the Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is risen from the dead, you will be saved. Be saved from what? Be saved from eternal separation from God. Jesus died so you could live. He made a way where, where you wouldn't have to spend eternity in hell, where you could spend eternity in the presence of God. But not only that, he wants to give you eternal life in heaven, but abundant life on earth. So that you can experience all that he has for you. you. Today, if you've not experienced the grace of God, if you've not asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, if you've not made him the Lord and leader of your life, then why don't you do it today? Why, don't wait another minute. Most important decision I think you'll ever make. Just surrender to his will. He's got good plans for you. He's got a good purpose for you. He's got a good desire for you. And, and, all, he, he, and you need him. You need Jesus. Pastor, will you pray with me? Will you raise your hand? Let me, let me pray that God's grace will, will get a hold of you today and save you. Anybody? Thank you. Anybody else? I need Jesus today. Thank you. Anybody else? I need Jesus today. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You can put it right back down on my left. Anybody? I need Jesus today. Thank you. Anybody else? I need Jesus today. Put it right back down. Thank you. Anybody else? I need Jesus today. I need Jesus today. Anybody in there? I need God's grace today. I need God's grace today. Let me pray. Let me pray with you. Let me pray for you. Let me lead you in a prayer for all those that raised their hand. And there was a bunch. 
For all those that raised their hands, will you pray this prayer out with me? And just You can just pray it right there where you're at. You don't have to pray it out loud. I would just say, dear Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I need your grace. I can't do it on my own. I need your forgiveness. Here's what I would say. As a confession of faith, I would just say, Lord, I give you my life. I surrender to your will. I want to follow your lead. Today, this Sunday, I say, yes, Jesus. Cleanse me. Help me. Forgive me. Lord, I pray for all those that said that prayer a minute from their heart. Lord, I thank you that you're, according to your word, your grace has saved them. They are now children of the Most High God. Upon their declaration of faith, you, you have done what only you can do. You have forgiven them, given them a clean slate, a fresh start, a new beginning. Old things are passed away. Everything is becoming new in Jesus' name. And I pray the same grace that saved them will teach them and grow them and help them. Do it, God. And we'll thank you for it. In just a moment, Pastor Trevor will come and give you some next steps. But I want to ask you one more question. How many with your, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed would say, Pastor, I need a baptism. I need a fresh and filling. I need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. I need supernatural strength to overcome my flesh. I need empowerment to live out my purpose. I need greater confidence to share my faith. I need a baptism of fire to ignite my passion in me for the things of God. I need a fresh filling of God's Spirit so that I would decrease and He might increase. I need a greater grace to resist the enemy. I don't want to be ankle deep. I don't want to be knee deep. I don't want to be waist deep. I want to be all in for the things of God. How many would raise their hand and say, that's me, Pastor. That's, that's what I want today. Here's what I want you to do. I don't, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you to step out. If you raise your hand, will you step out? Will you come to the front of this building? Will you come to the front of this auditorium? Will you, when you get here, will you raise both hands to God? What do I have to do to get filled with the Holy Spirit? All you got to do is ask. The Bible says that if earthly sons know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will a heavenly father give gifts to his children who ask for the Holy Spirit? As you just ask, as you open up your mouth, as you begin to declare, God, fill me with your spirit, he's going to do it because he's a good God. Fill me, Lord. Fill me. Why don't you raise your hands? Why don't you lift your voice? Why don't you declare your desire? Why don't you say, hey, music is playing. Nobody can hear you. God, we want more of you. God, we thirst for you. Lord, we hunger for you. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you, oh God. I, Lord, fill me today afresh and anew with your spirit. Fill me today with your power and your grace and your goodness, God.